continue on this Friday edition of Bickley and Murata Mornings, broadcasting live from the Auction Community Studios. Lorenzo Alexander in for Bick today. Appreciate him being here. We uh, shift our focus now to basketball. The newest member of the Phoenix Suns officially now is Eric Gordon. As the Suns announced the uh, signing, it became official yesterday. Of course, he just faced the Suns in the NBA playoffs as a member of the L.A. Clippers. And joining us to talk about it, covers the Clippers for the L.A. Times. Andrew Greif, our guest here on the Arizona Sports Line. Andrew, thanks so much for making some time for us this morning. How are you? I'm doing well. Thanks so much for having me on, as always. Uh, Eric Gordon and Phoenix have had an interesting uh, relationship for about 11 years. Once upon a time, he signed an offer sheet with the Suns when he was a member of the Hornets. The Hornets matched. Uh, He never came here. But 11 years later, he's coming here. And I know when he became available, the Clippers made that move for financial reasons, and they get to shave $110 million off their luxury tax bill. Outside, if money was no object, how how interested would the Clippers have been in bringing Eric Gordon back in your mind? Well, I think the, the the money was part of it for sure. Um, I also think that at least when they decided to not uh, guarantee his contract for next year, there was from within the team there was some talk about you know he was really nice and um, fit what we did well. Like they really liked that he fit around Kawhi Leonard and Paul George with his spacing. You know, they jokingly call him a four point shooter. Um, as Phoenix found out during the playoffs, you know, he can hit some deep ones that can provide some driving lanes for some teammates and all that. Um, but he would also, you know, can guard up. You know, he's about six three guy, but he can incredibly guard bigger, uh, bigger offensive players, which they really appreciated. But I think that it wasn't just simply financial. It was also that they have a lot of young guards that um, a really expensive team sort of needs to get a handle on who is part of their future plans um, of these young guards. You know, they have a lot of guys who don't really have clear pathways to playing time. And as much as they really liked Eric, I think they've, through the calculus of it all, thought like, well, you know, what are we going to do about Jason Preston and Terrence Mann and Bones Highland and guys that you sort of need to give a little bit of oxygen to to see if they can be part of your future? Because for right now, most of their young guards are on pretty inexpensive contracts. And as we know, this is the second apron team, and those penalties are about to get you know worse every single year that you're in the second apron. So, I think they're trying to see what they can do to get some younger guys in playing time. Obviously, if they get a, let's say James Harden, that that changes things also very quickly too. So, uh, we'll see how much those young times really get. But for for Gordon, I think he was really nice, but he may have been standing slightly in the way of some team younger guys opportunities. Oh, we'll get more into the Harden possibility coming up. Andrew. Uh, and a lot of this is projection because we don't know what this looks like here in Phoenix. They add Bradley Beal, obviously added a ton of new pieces in the first 90 minutes of free agency last Friday. So it's a much different looking roster. But no, just at first glance, how do you think Eric Gordon fits in potentially with this team? And I think you said something interesting, too, when you talked about his ability to guard up. Does that make him uh, uh, you know, a possible starter, or do you think he's solely a bench guy in this crew? Well, I think the wonderful thing that the Clippers found out about Eric Gordon was that he's pretty malleable to do either, and he's not going to really have too many um, strong opinions about it. Like He just kind of fit wherever they needed to last year, and he was willing, especially after being in Houston, where it, the last couple of years obviously it had been a youth movement and there had been no hope of making the playoffs. He was so happy to be with the Clippers and so happy to be having an opportunity to play in the playoffs again on a contender, a team that mattered, that he was just like, yeah, I'm, I'm down to do whatever. And so I really do think that he would come into Phoenix with the exact same 
uh, you know, mindset and attitude of just saying like, where do you need me? I'll play. This is great. <laughs> I like playing on a winner. Um, I think, you know, as you saw in the playoffs, he started um, all uh, five games yes. against the Suns uh, when Kawhi Leonard's injury, even before Kawhi Leonard's injury, but they really leaned on him. But he, I also thought he was really good off the bench. I just think that he's a proven playoff guy. He's not going to kind of shrink from the moment. Those years in Houston when they were good and they were challenging the Warriors year in and year out, uh, I think give him a lot of um, just kind of feel for a playoff moment and a guy who's going to kind of walk in without a whole lot of nerves. So I, I really liked that Phoenix got him because, again, uh, at a really cheap price, um, at a really good player, Still, uh, I think that he can. He's a guy that, as, as much projection as we are doing right now, you look at him. You can probably even in July plug him into maybe a May rotation starting yeah. uh, depth chart. Yeah, Andrew Greif, who covers the Clippers for the LA Times, our guest here on the Arizona Sports Line. Let's get into that Harden possibility. There's been a lot of weirdness with this story. It was reported initially that once he opted in, he had played his last game for the 76ers. They were going to work for a trade. Now Philly might be con- trying to convince him to stay. He's mentioned the Clippers as a possible landing spot. How, do, how possible do you gauge that to be right now at this point of the summer, Andrew? I think that uh, right now it's still possible, but it's just a big waiting game. It's how it's been termed to me. You know, like Daryl Morey, I think uh, they, you know, they lead basketball decisions for 76ers. As we saw with the Ben Simmons um, trade last year, he's going to wait until he gets the very best trade possible. And so there's not really a hurry. Um, he does have that you know, decade-long relationship with James Harden and trust in within each other. So maybe... He's thinking they can find something, uh, some common ground there. I'm not sure. But uh, initially, you know, everything I heard from kind of sources around the league when the news initially broke that he was opting in, which was a big surprise, and then would do it with the intention of being traded was sort of like um, he wants to be, James Harden wants to be on a winner. He obviously wants to be on a winner. And that's what he's kind of compelled with right now. Obviously, he's from L.A., so he can connect those dots and think about why that would make sense. Um, I think... If you are a team that gets him, especially if you're the Clippers, uh, which, uh, you know, it seems to be a place that is preferred, I think that there is motivation on Harden's side to make this work because he's looking for, obviously, a long-term deal. He'll be an unrestricted free agent next summer. Uh, so, you know, if you, another kind of uh, sour performance, sour season, I don't know what kind of market that builds for him. So there would seem to be some motivation on his side, wherever he's at, to kind of make it work because of the – um, the fact that he's up next year. But um, I, I, it's just a lot of waiting game at this point because people know that uh, Maury is not someone who rushes into things when he knows he has an asset. Yes. Um, the Clippers, you know, I, and you sent, I sense frustration, a little bit of frustration after the Sun series from, from Ty Lue and others about, hey, we, we didn't have our team together, uh, which seems to be an every year occurrence for the Clippers. Uh, let's say the Harden thing doesn't happen, Andrew, and you go back in with largely the same group as last year, led by Paul George and, and Kawhi Leonard. Would you view that as maybe a last hurrah for that group? Is, is patience running out for that team as currently constructed? I, I, I do think there's a lot of frustration just the fact that, you know, for three straight years, an injury to either Kawhi Leonard or Paul George or both has uh, put a ceiling, has limited what they can do in the playoffs. Absolutely. Um, I think that 
I wouldn't say this is a last dance season, but there does seem to be sort of a like, hey, what's the future here? You know, like wh- wh- how much, especially with extensions um, possible for both Leonard and George this summer, uh, Leonard can at least start talking with the team about extensions next week. And then Paul George is in September. You know, like I'm, and a lot of people around the league are fascinated with how much are the Clippers willing to invest in those two as the future? Um, you know, they can go up to four years and $220 million. Um, I, you know, I sort of don't think that they would get the full max. I mean, I shouldn't say that because I don't really know, but there's a lot of hesitancy on the league of like, well, at least, um, would they give it to it? Because they're getting the injury history is what it is. Um, it's just sort of, it's difficult to construct a team and you can see Ty Lue's frustration all throughout last year because the team was just never available. And then often when they did come back, there were minutes limits. So there were very few opportunities when the Clippers could really ever put together the team they envisioned. And the question is, of course, how much longer do you want to build around something that's a little uncertain with the health of those two-star players? Yeah, because there's people that believe that you know when they're, when they're whole, they're a title contender. We just haven't seen it. Are you of that belief that if somehow Kawhi and Paul George are, are healthy in the playoffs, that they could really challenge for a title next year? I, yeah, I still wouldn't put it past him. I mean, I, I still remember the Utah series when Kawhi Leonard got hurt in the second round in mm-hmm. 2021. You know, Leonard and George both had 30 points each in two straight games. Uh, they came back from a 2-0 deficit to tie. They looked like, okay, this is the team that everyone thought, like kind of the full offensive package, the full defensive strength. You're like, whoa, this is we're seeing the full might of it all. And then, of course, Kawhi got hurt. Um, so I think that sticks in people's minds with the Clippers. You know, we've seen it for about two games. We're, we really have, like, the full power, and it looked really convincing. Um, so because of – I think you have to look at Denver, too, if, you're, yeah. if, you're, if you are a Clippers optimist, which I don't know how many there are out there, but um, <laughs> you know, Denver just needed its guys healthy, you know, and to, and to gel. There's a lot of continuity there. There is still a lot of continuity on this Clippers roster. You know, like right now, Nicholas Batum, Terrence Mann, Paul George, Kawhi Leonard, Evita Zubas, like there are lots of guys who have played together now for multiple seasons or at least pieces of multiple seasons. If you can get them all going in the right direction, like, you know, Jamal was finally able to get play with Jokic and finally with uh, MPJ and finally with Gordon, look what they did. There is still a shred of that optimism for sure. Andrew, thanks so much for uh, carving out some time for us this morning. Really appreciate it. Have a great weekend. Of course, anytime. Thank you.